0: Welcome to All The Things with Monique Dusson from the Center for Biblical Unity and Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique.
1: Hello and welcome to All The Things.
0: I am Monique Dusson And I am Krista Bontrager. And this is a show where we discuss all the things.
1: Related to God, the Bible, and real life. I don't know. I thought we were ready, people. I I'm mean, I'm sure. up a little bit. Okay. That that's okay. <laughs> well, welcome. We are glad to be with you tonight. We are so glad to be with you. We are gonna talk about a very important topic tonight. We're gonna look at human trafficking. But before we do that, family, guess what? You guys, oh my gosh. Next week, we are going to be at the Southern Evangelical. Seminary National Apologetics Conference. We are actually going to present at SES, y'all, like from the main stage. From the main, you They don't even know what they got into yet. <laughs> they, they don't even know. They, I feel like somebody like let in the hoodwink and bamboozle because we, yeah, we gonna have our shenanigans, and but we are so excited. So if you're in the North Carolina area or like Rock Hill, South Carolina, that that area, that vicinity, come hang out come see us we are going to also do a meetup there so we would love to meet you and have an opportunity to hug on you and give you some family love but y'all we really gonna be at SES we gonna be in them streets yes
0: so make sure you're signed up for the Center for Biblical Unity digital newsletter the information on how to RSVP for the meetup will be in the newsletter it goes out during the night so if you're not subscribed go do that right now plus that's just the best way to stay in touch with us um the world is an uncertain place and we just never know when we're going to be locked out of our social media so the best way to stay connected to the ministry is by subscribing to the ministry newsletter and
1: i don't know how many of you have heard about what's happening in israel i woke up to news about israel this morning and they've declared war yeah that there's like a declaration of war um and but then i've seen things that said well it's not actually war it's just hamas is really like po'd and you know has ruffled feathers but i think there actually has been a declaration of war either way declaration or not please be praying for israel pray for those who live there pray for their leadership pray just pray for the nation um our oh, brothers and sisters, yeah, who live our there. brothers and sisters who are there, the other image bearers who are, who yeah. are there, whether brothers and sisters or not, pray for them. We do have people that we are acquainted with who are there, yeah. um, who have given updates and things like that. But please be praying for Israel, so
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so for the month of October, we're doing a little special emphasis this month on human trafficking, and uh, Lord willing, we're going to be doing three conversations this month kind of trying to tackle the issue in a number of different ways. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be talking to our friend Derek Burden from the Orange County Rescue Mission. Now, for some of you veterans who have been around a while, you may remember our friend uh, Brian Crane, who uh, was the COO at the Orange County Rescue Mission for many, many years just this past week. It was announced that he's now the president. And yes, this is Brian Crane, the same Brian Crane that is Natasha Crane's husband. So we they got a fancy family, they do. Go ahead. And so we've been uh continuing to have um partnerships with them and I was a volunteer there for about 4 years and we're just super grateful to have Derek come on tonight and talk to us specifically about a newish newish couple years old ministry at the Rescue Mission helping to minister to victims of trafficking and so we're going to hear about their very fine work tonight yo with that let's bring on derek hey derek hello sir
2: hi how are y'all good how are you good good thank you so much for hosting me today i really i really appreciate it i'm honored you know to be off on the show well
1: we are so glad to have you so derek tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at the rescue mission
2: I'm the chief ministry officer at the Orange County Rescue Mission. I oversee all of the um, transitional facilities and also the low-income housing, you know that we that's associated with the Orange County Rescue Mission, and also oversee the emergency shelter. We um we do not own this shelter, but we the city of Tustin owns it, and they have asked us to operate it. Of course, you know we have such a um, powerful impact in the community. So they wanted us to be able to um, operate it so that, you know, those that are out on um, the express and homelessness can be served properly.
0: So in the orange County rescue mission for a long time, people think of gospel mission ministry as primarily dealing with homelessness, like helping people who have coming out of trafficking. Is not necessarily the first thing that pops to our mind with a, Gospel, gospel mission ministry. Um, maybe we're going to get into some deep details later, but give us just sort of the big picture of what you guys do at OCRM to help minister to those who are coming out of trafficking.
2: Well, one thing that makes us unique is I like to call it that we are step one program. You know, so we will take those that are um, that want to be rescued out of the life, and we will take them right off of the street. You know we don't we don't have them go to a hotel first or to another program first. We will take them right off of the street, right out of the situation, right out of the motel um, or hotel that they're in. If they want to be rescued, we will take them right away and put safety measures in place so that they can um, start the road of recovery and healing that they're looking for. That's one thing that really makes us unique. Is most most programs um, want want a little. I am before they come into the program because of their the trauma that they've experienced, but we will take them in the midst of their trauma right off of the right out of the situation that they're at.
1: And that's huge because not every program is like that. Some programs you have steps before you can actually come into treatment, especially like an in-house treatment. And also the the idea of security and are they really ready to be removed or not in contact and relationship with those with their traffickers and things like that? And so looking at the fact that you guys will bring people in directly from the street really makes you unique in, in your work there. How do, how do people get to you? How do people come out of trafficking situations?
2: Well, we, we partner with um, outreach teams and organ- from organizations that are actually out on the street. They go um, on Friday nights and Saturday nights and they go um, with a, they call it the track. You know, they'll go to the track where the uh, was that are experiencing you know, the victims, they'll go out there and they'll minister to them. You know, they build relationships with them and, you know, they'll go out there and provide, you know, the necessities that they need, you know, while they're in their life. And then as they build a relationship, they'll ask them, you know, hey, do you, do you want to get out of this? And then if, the, the, um, if the, the lady wants to get out of it, then there's a system that is put in place, if you will. We, I'm trying to see if we should give the whole scenario. I don't know who's listening. But what they will do is they will give a cold word to the, to the lady. And then they will have a John come up what well, they think it's a John, but the person that's in the car will give the cold word to know that it's safe, and these are the people that are there to rescue them out of the situation. So when they, when they hear the cold word, they'll get in the car, and then they will come directly, directly to us, and we will put things in place to make sure that, that they're safe. You know, we have to warn them to make sure that they're not chipped you know, so they can't be tracked. We have to put their phone in a Faraday bag, you know, just because a lot of times they have the location tracked. So we have to put parameters in place so that the ladies can be safe when they come out of the life.
0: Go ahead. You go ahead. Cause you have way more experience with this than I do. So I don't necessarily know all the questions to ask, but this... no, I was just gonna ask Do you guys, is it
1: common to run into situations where, um, Either they are tracked, or, um, or you'll you might run up and have like a John or a trafficker that
2: wants to interrupt the rescue. I'm I'm not necessarily right there in the rescue. am I'm, I'm, I'm we're on the receiving end. <laughs> but you know we've had them where you know they at one time they will say they want you know to get out of the life, and then when it comes that time, they'll change their mind. Yeah. Or, they can see them talking to someone or someone will come in and intervene yeah. and, or, and steer them away from the conversation you know because they don't want them to get out. They want them to stay yeah. you know in the life because that's um, that's bringing in income for the trafficker. So they they have um, things in place so that people are not talked to so that yeah. the, the ladies are not talked to so that nobody can convince them to get out of the life.
0: What are some of the give us a couple of typical scenarios of how people come into being trafficked? Because I think that there's a perception from some recent media that, um, you know, people just get kidnapped off the streets and are forced into trafficking. And while that does occasionally happen, is that the typical scenario? And and give us kind of some of the more typical scenarios of people that, that you work with.
2: I, the ones that we've worked with, we've never experienced anyone that had gotten assessed off the street. You know, usually the ones that have come to us, they were recruited out of the foster care system, or you know, their their parent or their guardian would, you know, they may have been, you know, on substance or uh, substance using substances, and then they would traffic the child in order to get more of the drugs that they're using. So you know we've we've never had anyone that was just snatched off the street or kidnapped. These were people that were coerced, you know, into the situation by someone who recruited them, thinking it's a good situation, selling it real good, or um, parents or guardians trafficking the the child so that they can get drugs from from the dealer. Okay. You know, I know, and I know that that's 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 sad, but that is yeah, that's mm-hmm. truly you know real life situations that that the ladies are dealing with. I mean, this is, 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 this hard stuff.
0: It's, it was really shocking to me when I was volunteering there, um, to find that out. And I'm so glad you shared that because when I would, I used to do a theology Q and a time once a month for the residents at orange County rescue mission. And after doing that for four years, um, I definitely noticed patterns of questions and a lot of the questions were very heavy and would deal with some version month in and month out dealing with um, how do I forgive people who've who've abused me and, um, you know, how do I particularly, how do I deal with parents who have abused me? And I was a little stunned to find out how many of the residents had been trafficked by their own parents Mm -hmm. and I really honestly had no idea that that happened and so here me and my little suburban mindset I'm thinking I can't even imagine what universe that happens in but the longer I was there and the more I saw that it was just really heartbreaking and I, I want people to have an understanding of how much brokenness there has to be that that not only the people that get to you are in, but even the people that have trafficked them. Like for a parent to traffic their child, that's that's a lot of sad situations and very heartbreaking.
2: Yeah, and if, you know, a lot of the uh, students that, that we have, they wouldn't even know that they were trafficked until it, it, they come to the awareness of it, you know, because they think it's just, just, it was life or they begin to make decisions that was just based off of, you know, their own desires. But it, because of the trauma that they've experienced, you know, put them in those situations, and, you know, they 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 didn't even know that they were trafficked. That wasn't even in their, in their, in their know-how or their knowledge. And then when we begin to teach and share with them, you know, the dynamics of it, that's when they come like, oh my gosh, I was trafficked. I, you know, my parents put me in this, So This was, I was abused at this age, and then this is what they cursed me to doing. And now we have to begin to the healing process. And these are not in, they're not in our human trafficking program. These are people that have lived their life. This is something that they've experienced years before, Mm -hmm. but just now come into the awareness of. And now they just have to start dealing with it as they become adults. Yeah.
1: I think it's interesting that many people don't realize. one, that most people who are victims of trafficking are trafficked by people that they know, people that they have relationship with, people that they trust. And so it can be, you know, a parent and you're doing it for this reason, or they need, you know, money for this, or the, you know, that and the other thing, or a boyfriend who might need, you know, money, or come on, if you really love me, or we can do this and things like that. And so you know, people don't understand that it's not usually the snatch and grab. You know, oh, I snatched this child and grabbed him, at least not in America. Other countries I can't really speak into, but not here in the States. In the States, it, it runs a lot different. But you know what? One of the things that I wanted um, you to clarify is, and, and, you know, maybe it's different for your program, but do you ever see men um, who are trafficked in your program?
2: Well, our program is designed for women, Okay, you know, but we do know that there's a large amount of uh, boys and men that have been trafficked, you know, but our program is designed for for women.
0: Is that a need? Does there need to be more programs out there to help minister to, to the boys and, and to the men that are affected by this?
2: You know, through the, um, the conferences that I've went to and the, you know, the... Seminars and stuff that I have experienced. There is a need out there for you know boys and men that have been trafficked, and those are very limited. You know because of the um, facilities that they have. You know most people just doesn't have the, don't have the facilities to be able to house them. So they're you know they're a population that is that is in need of help, but there's not a lot of resources out there for them.
0: Well, we'll have to pray into that, that the Lord will raise up more Christians that have that vision and calling because if, if, I mean, I think it's great how many trafficking ministries are really growing and, and God is raising up a lot of people around the world to minister in this space. But, you know, if that's a particular need that we, you know, we need the Lord to raise up more people to minister to the men and the boys, we need to be praying into that,
2: so it's good to know. Absolutely. Yes, it's, def- it's definitely a need, you know, and the the perversion that is there, you know, is just, it's, it's horrifying, you know, that anybody, anybody that experiences this, whether it's a, a boy or a girl or a man or a woman that's experiencing this, you know, it's horrifying and it's very traumatizing in their life, and we do need... Um, people to rise up and really help all uh, people that are experiencing, you know, human trafficking or, or victims.
1: What motivates someone to try and leave a trafficking situation? And does it normally like in your experience with the the people in your program, does it usually take like multiple attempts or is it normally just a kind, of, kind of a one and done thing?
2: You know, again, we were on the receiving end. You know, but what what I've been told, it takes numerous encounters in order to um, convince or try to help those that are experiencing, you know, those that are in the human trafficking, the victims. And they not all the time want to get out. So, like I said, once the relationship is built, then those topics start, you know, can start coming up. But before that, the relationship just needs to be built. The teams that are going out there, they're just going out there saying, hey, do you need anything? They're giving them water. They're giving them, honestly, they're giving them condoms. They're giving them, you know, bracelets, you know, that has numbers on them. They're doing what they can just to build a relationship. And that's six to seven encounters before they can even start having that conversation. Because the majority of them, um, honestly, they, 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 they like the life, you know, the luxury, even though there's a lot of abuse, a lot of. A lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of trauma that's in this. They look at the glamorous part of it. They think that they're in love with the trafficker. So to pull them away from that can be very challenging.
0: Do you ever have situations where people leave the program and and go back to it? Or like maybe they're just there for a couple of weeks and they're like, I'm not ready? Does that happen?
2: That That, that happens. That happens a lot. You know, we try to put our safety protocols in place, you know, to try to help them. You know, that's why, we, you know, when they come into our program, we we get their phone. We put their phone in a Faraday bag and the phone gets locked up, you know, for a couple of reasons. Number one, they can't use it because usually they don't have the phone number memorized. And then um, the, the, the uh, victim can not be tracked, you know, but some of the some of the ladies, they they know the number by heart. And they'll go, they'll use the phone. they'll tell the trafficker where they're at, or they'll just leave the program. We've had um, numerous times where the the lady will just tell the trafficker where they're at, and the trafficker will begin making circles in the parking lot, you know, just waiting for her to come out. You know, know and those are really sad situations. We try to, you know, talk them out of it and let them know. If I could share one experience that I've had, we had, um, we had one victim that had a daughter there with her. And we were letting her know, like, you know, is this the life that you want for your daughter? And I remember having a conversation with her. And I asked her, because she was telling me that she was in love, that, you know, she, number one, like, she couldn't give me this whole name. She tried to tell me that this was her brother that was coming to pick her up. I'm like, okay, well, what's your brother's name? She just gave me the first name. His name is D. Okay. I said, does your brother have a last name? You know, but so she wouldn't give up the name or she said she couldn't remember the name. And I asked her, I said, okay, if you're really in love, I said, you know, usually when there's a, a unity or, you know, when there's a, a a gap in the relationship and you come back together, you know, the man is going to want to take you out to dinner and he wants to let you know that, you know, he's in this, he's in the relationship. I said, what is your night going to look like? She said, oh, when he picks me up, I'm going to have to go back to work tonight, you know, and she knew the outcome of this, but she was still willing to leave the program with her daughter and go back into the life.
1: Oh, that's really heartbreaking. Yeah, and I mean, many times, as you know, when you try to leave, if you end up going back, there's consequences to be paid, you know, and not just by your pimp or your trafficker, but even by the other women that he might, you know, have in, it, like, under his control. Um, and so, yeah, choosing choosing to go back Can also let people in on the level of like mind manipulation that's occurred, the level of trauma that's occurred, and things like that to the people who are, you know, participating in this lifestyle. Derek, we are going to quickly step away and run an ad for our sponsor, Impact360. Ladies and gentlemen watching, we will be right back.
3: It's time to prepare. Let's get ready for the journey ahead. Life doesn't give us a redo. We don't get to run it back. Along the way, we will face obstacles and challenges, but we are carrying light into the dark places. Our paths and our destinations are different, but our beginning is the same. We must prepare. This is why Impact 360 Institute exists. Get ready to grow, to stand firm, to be who God created you to be, to lead with courage, truth, and love. This experience will transform your life. Be challenged to grow your faith. Learn how to think, not what to think. Build community with those seeking to live like Jesus. Establish spiritual rhythms, discover how to be and make disciples. And put your faith into action. As you prepare for the journey ahead, deepen your understanding of what God has revealed about reality and why Christianity is true. Discover your identity in Christ and your God-given calling in authentic community. Cultivate a servant's heart and live a life of spirit-empowered kingdom influence.
0: Once again, those are our friends at Impact 360. We encourage you, if you're looking for some support with your discipleship efforts, with your teens in your house, they have a summer camp, and a one-week summer camp, two-week summer camp for high schoolers, and a nine-month gap year program for college students. Go check them out. Our moderators put a link in the chat. You can see it at Impact 360. 60 institute.org. institute.org there it is my eyesight is bad um, okay. so yeah alright one of the things that I wanted to
1: highlight or I want to go back to something that Derek said because um, he just kind of glossed over it and said it quickly but that one of the women the one we were just referring to that left the program um, I'm not sure actually if it was this woman but there was a time when there was some you know a John or a pimp trafficker circling in the parking lot. People don't often realize just how dangerous it is for those working with the victims to do that work. It can be deadly. And I mean, that's not to, you know, put extra on the circumstance or anything like that. What people have to realize is that those who are being trafficked are a source, a monetary source for that trafficker. They're bringing in Real money for them. We're not talking like you know, ten dollars here, twenty dollars there. No, they're bringing in real money for these people, and so to interrupt that cycle is to interrupt their their money flow. And people will become violent. They become angry. They see the trafficked victims as their property. And so now it's not it's not a thing of like, oh, let me, you know, go and pick up my sister. Let me go pick up my girlfriend or things like possession is nine tenths of the law. Honey, you got you got my property and I'm going by any means necessary to come back and get my property because I own her or him. I don't know. Do you want to add anything to that or do do you feel like I'm making extra of it?
2: No, you're definitely not making extra. They make uh, a, a trafficker can make $120,000 a year from one lady. You know, so that's a lot of money, you know, and one thing about it, you know, that's why the, the trafficking industry has grown so much, you know, because you have the gangs, the cartels, and all the people that are going from drugs to, to humans because drugs you can only sell one time. With a person, you can continually sell them over and over and over again. And they bring, like I said, for one person, that's $120,000 a year. So if a person has multiple people, that's a lot of money. And when that money is taken away, yes, they can get very angry and then upset. So again, that's real life and that's truth that you're speaking out on it.
0: What, when somebody comes into your program there they're at OCRM, what are some of their biggest needs? at the beginning? And then how do those needs kind of change over time? How does your program come around them and offer services, you know, in the beginning versus as, as they're, if, if they continue in the program?
2: Well, one thing we, we notice when they, when they first come in, they need some time. Mm-hmm. They, they need time to, you know, to really, you know, collect their thoughts and recognize, you know, um, what they want to do in life. Um, our program, what we have, it is a it's an emergency shelter. So we offer it's a ninety day it's a ninety day emergency shelter. So our program is designed, like I said, to get them off of the street and get them to a place where they want to go, where they believe they can get the healing. Whether it's another program out of state, whether it's back home with family. You know, if we have partnered with the um, national hotline Polaris. And they will give us plane tickets to be able to fly them wherever they want to go. So the first thing we need to do is give them time. You know, what do you want to do? What's, what's going on in your life? You know, some of them like, I need to get my children back. Or, okay, well, let's take some time. Let's, let's get this process started. But the main thing that they need when they come in is some time just to sit back. Um, you know, we don't we don't make them go anywhere in the beginning. We don't give them a schedule in the beginning. You know, we if you want to come to breakfast, OK, if you don't, that's OK. You know, so we give them time. That is the biggest need that they have when they first come into the program. And then as time goes on, if they choose to stay with us for the full 90 days, now we begin to them all the wraparound services that we have available we start with the counseling we'll start with the the group classes we'll bring in lcsw that can meet with them weekly they meet with their case manager weekly and again it's to help them to realize what did you want to do you know what's the next step for you you know we and we give them options we give them resources and we let them know what's available and then again we let them choose because that's something we believe is very important is letting them have a choice because the past life, when they were in the life, they didn't have a choice. They, they were told what to do, when to do, and how to do it. So we know it's really important for them to have a choice in their life and what they want to do. And we, they, they honor that. You know what I mean? And that gives them an opportunity to really take a good look and say, okay, this is all up to me now. Let me see what's, what's best for me and how I can move forward and get the healing that I need.
1: Can you give us an example of some of the the goals that um, your clients will, you know, work toward when they're actually out of the life and in the program? So I don't know if, if you guys do budgeting with them or is it, you know, counseling or mental health services or job training,
2: yeah again is um the our program is a 90-day emergency shelter so we're taking care of the immediate needs right now and then if they choose to go into our transitional housing Mm -hmm. you know after that that's when all of the other services will could become available to them you know so in the beginning when they're coming in after 30 days or so once they begin to really um, collect their thoughts and realize what it is that they want to do or at least have some direction, that's where we'll start with the group classes, you know, ending the game and we'll um, assign an LCSW to them. They have a case manager that, you know, will begin the individual treatment program that will help them to um, see the tracking of meeting their goals, if you will. Because the ITP, that's a, that's a, um, a program where they set their goals and then they can see how it's being tracked, how close I'm getting to the goals that I put down. So they will have that, and the case manager will go over that with them. And then we also have we have classes of arts and crafts, and most of the ladies during that time with the ninety day program, they're content. You know, as once they decide to go into let's say into another program or our transitional um, um, housing, that's when they realize, okay, I need to get my high school diploma you know and when they become a journey i need to learn how to take care of a house i need to learn how to budget i need to learn how to live life on my own without being told i need to learn how to make good choices i need to learn how to do you know how to live life yeah on my terms because i'm not used to that you know we want to teach them to get a schedule and being on time how important is that you know punctuality because you know most most of the ladies that come in they can't sleep at nighttime, you know, because that's when they were working. So they want to sleep in the daytime. We have to help them to transition and get them sleeping at night so that they can, you know, participate in the programs during the day. So it's a, it's a wide variety. But yeah. again, our our trans, the emergency program is 90 days. So within those 90 days, we yeah. can just help them figure out what's the next step. Yeah. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: And in the... Longer term, if they go, if they do enter into the transitional program at, or after the 90 days, if they go into transitional housing at OCRM, that program, I think, can last up to two years.
2: So you're that's 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 18 to 24 months.
0: So you're really giving them an opportunity to have a fresh start. They can stay at the mission or they can go somewhere else after the 90 days, but they're they're. It really is a holistic approach. Like you, I think the social service term is a wraparound mm-hmm. program, but it, it, yes. it's uh, you know trying to lead them into healing in a lot of different ways, very practical ways. But because OCRM is also a gospel mission, talk to us a little bit about that side of the healing too of. Evangelism and discipleship. Where do where are people often at spiritually when they come into the program?
2: Yeah, usually when they when the when they come into the program, they're mad at God. You know, they they're, they're mad at God. You know, we try we want to present the gospel to them, and they say, "Well, where was God at? what this was happening to me. You know, where was God at when you know when I was being sold, or I was being raped. Where was God at that? So you know, so we have to. Um, you know, really evangelize with them and, and share the word of God with them, so that they can understand that it's it's not a God; it's the fall of man. You know that if you know that these things have happened, it wasn't God that was doing this, but it was man because of the depravity of man. You know this is why these things are happening. We begin to minister to them from that way, but as far as like you know the gospel, that's from day one. You know because we don't know how long we're going to have them. So I always um, encourage and instruct all the program team. When we get somebody come in, the, God, the gospel has to be presented right away. You know what I mean? Almost all the time when we're meeting, though, we're talking about, you know, Jesus Christ and the gospel, what God can do in their lives, you know, because we don't know how long we got to have it. We have them for a week. I want to make sure that they heard the gospel within that week. Yeah. Or you know, if they have it for a longer time. So that's that's immediate. You know so, and we're constantly doing that during devotions, you know, doing the um roofs that we have in the evening through Saturday night chapel, Sunday morning service. All of that is um prepared or designed, if you will, to present the gospel to all those that come into the mission. Because, again, like I said, we don't know how long we're gonna have, yeah, to, and that's key, you know. So, when they leave the mission, I'm like, man, that's all they do is talk about Jesus. I'm okay with that, yes. <laughs> I'm okay with that reputation. <laughs> That's
0: good. and I just want to comment on that real quick and then you can ask the next question. But yeah, that was definitely what I saw too when I was volunteering there is, you know, I was constantly trying to present the gospel in the Q&A session. and really usually wasn't that difficult because it usually took about three minutes before we were talking about sin because these are people who are intimately familiar with the the evilness of humanity and even their own pain and their own propensity to commit sin and so you don't have to convince them that they're not just basically good people like Mm -hmm. and so we want to quickly get to yes but there is grace and there's an opportunity to become a new creation and to get right standing before god and and all of that. And that was constant because I never knew if I would ever see that student again. Some some people were there one time and come to my session. And then there were other times where I would see them over a period of months and years. And but you just you just never know. And that's one of the things I love about OCRM is it's a beautiful mix of, hey, yeah, we're gonna help you with your physical needs. We're gonna give you practical ways of getting, you know, healing and Getting back into your life and making a new life, but ultimately, the real new life, the real real, is Jesus Christ and that gospel ministry, and it's not one or the other. It's it's really a both and in the, in the best sense of the word.
1: Derek, we have a couple of questions coming in from the stream. Elaine wants to know what age, uh, what range of ages are commonly helped through to freedom. Or at least find the program initially. So, like, what's the main age range that you guys are working with?
2: We 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 average between, I would say, between twenty and thirty. Okay. You know, we get some, we get some that are older. We had one not too long ago, and I think she was about thirty six. You know, so we could get some a uh, little older. But usually, when they're that older, they usually find their way out of the life, or they become what they call renegades, which is they're 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 on their own. So usually the ones that we're um, that come to us between we don't really get them eighteen but we get it obviously between twenty and thirty.
1: Okay, and then Scott has or Rodriguez Scott has a question and says, "Are we saying that trafficking victims? It's on Facebook. It's on Facebook. Sorry, are we saying that?" Trafficking victims don't see themselves as victims, even if and when they reach out for help.
2: Hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that they will see themselves as victims. They see themselves as, as hurt, you know. Because I put it like this: a, a lot of them have been so manipulated and deceived. They're doing it out of love you know, they're they're doing it out of love for the trafficker. So they don't look at themselves as victims, even though they have gotten hurt, they've got abused, they've gotten beaten up, but to them, they're still in love with their trafficker. So they don't see themselves as victims. They see themselves, like I said, they they don't want to do this anymore. They don't want to continue to get hurt, but they're not victims. They just don't want to live that life, live like that anymore. Yeah.
0: That's really good. What do you see as being some of the long-term impacts that people who come out of a trafficking situation, that these are some of the issues. I think you mentioned one already, you know, they're mad at God often, but what are some of those longer-term impacts that it's, it's really a struggle for people to, they're going to have to work through some things and, and um, as they're rebuilding their life
2: know um I see to to just live life you know because majority of the, the the victims they're they're at a come they're getting to it at a young age you know I I know of some that started at the age of 11 at 12 and you know and that's all they knew all their life and they don't come out to their you know 23 24 25 so they don't know how to live life you know they don't they don't understand, you know, what it means to just, like I said, just to have the freedom, you know, that the, most of us experience and the trauma that they've experienced, you know, they have, to, they have to work through that because when they come out of the life, I mean, and you have the PTSD and you have the, the trauma, so they have to work through all of that. They have to work through the emotion. They have to work through their feelings. They have to work through their fears. You know, then they're walking down the street. They're still scared that that traffic is going to see them, but they're still in the same vicinity. So that's not freedom, you know. So it's uh, those are the main things that they have to work through. Like I said, learning how to live life on their own terms because they've always been told what to do. And from a young age to young adult, they've been in, in, in the life. I know one thing's
0: the Brian told me um once about the program if they go into the transitional housing as they make their way through the program you know they're even getting potentially job experience they learn how to you know go to a job and show up on time that's i think what you mean by you know learning how to live um they have to save money they have to save a certain amount of money that the mission will help them transition into getting an apartment once they and they learn budgeting these are the kinds of practical things that I think are behind your statement of learning how to how to live a life.
2: Absolutely, that's like I said. With um, if they choose to go into our transitional how you right, they will get they will get a volunteer assignment where they have to go to every day, and they we treat it just like it's a job, as far as like. the the surroundings, you take your, you take your breaks and you take your lunch, you report to your work supervisor so that they can have the work ethic. So when they leave us, they know how to properly um, engage when they get employment. Or if they're going to school, we want them showing up on time. We want to make sure that they're, they're, they're studying. You know, we want to, like I said, punctuality is key. We want to make sure they're showing up on time for things. So all of the, the holistic, points that we hit in order for them to be successful once they leave the program. And that's, and that's what we do for all of our, all of our students.
0: Very good. Thank you so much, Derek, for hanging out with us tonight. Um, Let people know once again about OCRM and what you guys do. Bob's going to put the website up on the screen for everyone in case they might want to support your work there.
2: Yes. uh, Again, we are a faith-based organization that, we help um, anyone that is experiencing homelessness or tough situations in life. You know, we help adults. We have programs for teens. You know, we have programs that, you know, for low-income housing, that people that just needed another step up. So, you know, if it's in your heart to help support the work that we're doing, you know, we would appreciate, you know, you doing what you can, or you know, like I said, to support the ministry because All of our program, I do want to mention this, all of our programs are free. So, you know, we do not charge people to go through our transitional facilities because we want to help them to be able to get from where they're at to self-sufficiency and to, of course, have a relationship with Jesus Christ and to live life according to the word of God, which will bring success in their life.
0: Amen. I really appreciate you guys, what you're doing and the model that you are putting forward. You're- it's a completely faith-based ministry. They're not um they don't take government grants. They're so that they can continue to share the gospel with yes. everyone that comes in and they're not tied to government money and in our opinion that's really Absolutely. like the preferred yeah. way to go because yes. we want to to bring the gospel clearly and unashamedly and yes, minister to people's physical needs, but understanding their spiritual need is the greatest need yeah. and so thank you for all of your work that you guys are doing there at the Orange County Rescue yeah. Mission.
2: Thank you. Mary. Like I said again, thank you for hosting me. I appreciate it. And um, you know, blessings to you. Um, blessings to you, Krista Modique. God continue to bless the works of your hand. I'll pray. Deuteronomy um twenty-eight upon your life, all the blessings. <laughs> thank Let, you. Know, keep moving forward in God's work.
1: Thank you so much. We are so glad to have you. This has been a really good discussion. Yeah. Really excited. Thank you. Well,
0: thank you. Hopefully we'll see you soon, brother. Yeah.
2: Yes, absolutely. Looking All forward right. to it. Take care.
0: Bye. Bye right. bye. Bye-bye. That was great. It was. I I learned a lot. And I think I hope that our listeners learned a lot too. It was just um Derek did such a good job of just kind of setting the conversation. And I love just him sharing his heart of you can just tell, like, how much he really loves yes. the people that he works with.
1: Yes, and and definitely wants them to have a relationship with the Lord. Like that's His that's whole the face goal. Split up when he yes. started talking about the gospel. Like that's like, the goal. Yeah. The goal is to share the gospel. The goal is for them to have a relationship with with God and truly like that. That's the change. Yeah, you know what I mean. That is truly the change, and it might not be overnight, but. This is where discipleship comes in and walking a road with people. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah.
0: And that's why I called the show I titled it, you know, the long road to freedom. It's it's coming into start that path is just the first of many, many steps and as Derek said, you know, um it's it is a long road to to learn new skills and and to do new things. Even yeah. Things that we take for granted. And so Uh, Such a great conversation. So glad for that. So why don't you make a little announcement and then we'll do the tee up for next week.
1: Yes. So just to let you know, every Tuesday for the next, well, we have five more Tuesdays left. I am going to be doing a live stream on Worldview. We've called it What in the World is Your View? And I am teaming up with the one and only Dr. Joe Miller He has been on our podcast a few times. He is also serving on the Center for Biblical Unity Academic Advisory Council. And we're just going through um, James Sire's book, The Universe Next Door, and discussing worldviews. What is our worldview? Is your worldview completely a Christian worldview? Has it been impacted by some naturalism, some nihilism, some postmodernism? What is the worldview that's, primarily floating around culture today yeah and so we're going through that going through the book the universe next door by James Sire if you would like to join us it is a live stream so you just join us on Tuesday afternoons at three o'clock three the Pacific three o'clock Pacific yes thank you we are going to be doing um, chapters two and three this coming Tuesday which is on deism and naturalism
0: so part one is up there, which was the introduction and Christianity. Yes. So Bob was had it up on the screen a minute ago. And you can go get it on the podcast if you want on Apple Podcast. So if you already subscribed to the Family Meetings podcast, that's where we're uploading the worldview conversations there. If you don't yet subscribe to the family meetings, go just type in Center for Biblical Unity on your um apple podcasts and then it'll come up and you can hit the subscribe and then you'll get the family meetings that, when we're in town and you'll get the special worldview series
1: yes so check it out it is i think going to be a very helpful conversation it's um six weeks we've already completed week one we have five more weeks to go and it will really like as i read through this book it really opened my eyes up to places where i was like oh I didn't realize that when I believed this, that was more of a naturalistic worldview. I didn't realize, you know, this one had a
0: Christianistic worldview. Well, I think many
1: people do because we're yeah. not having this distinct conversation in churches often yeah. about worldview and what are the competing worldviews? What do they believe? Why is our worldview better and different and why, why does Christianity and how does Christianity answer some of life life's fundamental questions that other worldviews answer drastically different? And so join us on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific on YouTube
0: and Facebook. Now, Elaine's asking, do we have to read along or do you both just tell us? Yeah, they'll, they'll kind of summarize some of the points of the chapter, but they're kind of honing in on particular it- issues that interest them and then tying it into the conversation on race yeah and that's sort of our branding at CFPU so it has that special focus um so no you don't
1: have to go out and get the book I suggest the book the book was super helpful to me I just went through it a couple months ago and it was just extremely helpful and so that's why I suggest it but if you don't have the book you don't have time to read the book join the live stream anyway it'll still be very informative
0: yeah so again, that's James Sire's book,
1: The Universe, the Next, Universe Next,
0: Door. Next Door. It really is a modern classic. It's in its fourth edition now. And um, I don't know if Dr. Sire is still alive or not. He is not. Oh, he, he's passed now?
1: He has. And okay. I believe that this is maybe the fifth edition.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. It's been out there. All right. Bob's got it up there on the screen so you can see the... Oh, you're right. It is the sixth edition. Sixth. Yeah. Wow. So it is a very helpful book. I read it when I was... Uh, In college. Well, girl, they have
1: added some more worldview since then, honey.
0: (laughs) Okay. As we round out this week, as we said earlier, we are having a special emphasis this month on human trafficking. This was the first of three conversations we're doing on it. We really hope that this conversation has blessed you, given you some ways to think and pray. Next week, we're going to be talking to somebody who has worked in a human trafficking law enforcement unit. And she is going to bring a cavalcade of statistics and what she has done behind the scenes to track traffickers, but we are also spend some time talking about how to help you as a Christian parent uh, protect your kids from traffickers. Yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. So it's a pre recorded talk because, like we said, next week we will be at the National Apologetics Conference. But we
1: we'll will pray will... for us, you guys. Yes. yes.
0: But we will be talking to our friend Rhonda, which is not her real name, but she is an intelligence analyst and has worked in law enforcement and human trafficking. So stay, um, make sure to catch that show next week.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And with that, Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. We will see you in a few weeks. Have a good week. God bless.
0: Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.